Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Friday, May 27th, and we are going to have a high of 21 degrees here in the Edmonton region today. Maybe some thunder showers. Turn your volume down. Yeah. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, this is Wayne here, and uh, <laughs> well, we are brought. Wayne. <laughs> this is uh, this is as Gabby said, the Real Estate Investing Morning Show, and we are broadcasting live on the Podbean app as we do every morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Friday. And all you got to do is download the app, join in live, you get to join in on the chat. There's a whole chat here. Everybody's everybody's here. Everybody's awake. And also there's a call-in button. You can click the call-in button and you can ask any questions you want about real estate investing for free, free coaching. Um, you know, and it also wins some pretty cool prizes too. Uh, this month, we're giving away two free coaching calls um, to the top fan. And that's, that draw is going to be next Wednesday. Right. Boop, boop. Um, so in order to <clears throat> in order to get involved in that uh, top fan contest, what you need to do, you need to join in live. Okay. And then um, just like, you know, most social media platforms, they've got, you know, some sort of a like button. The The Podbean app has a heart button. If, if you're on your live, you'll see the little heart button. You click that heart and, um, and, and, and the hearts start, you know, what they, they fly. They kind of, they yeah. kind of float. They flutter. They kind of flutter. Okay. So you do that. And um, whoever has the most hearts at the end of the month is the top fan. Okay. Um, and in order to get another great way to get hearts is uh, everything okay. Okay. Good. Another way to get uh, hearts is um, to there. You can click to share. It's like through the app, you can share the the show. You can share the, the, the episode uh, onto your social media platforms. That gives you hearts as well. So sharing it every time, you know, we're live and clicking the heart button. That's how you accumulate hearts. And I'm just kind of taking a peek here because I can see who's the top fan of the month. Um, what we do is, to make it fair, we, we take the top five fans and we give them ballots and then we do a draw on the, on the, on the first day of the month. Mm -hmm. So first place is going to get five ballots for uh, second place is going to get four ballots. Third place is going to get three ballots. Fourth place is going to get two ballots and fifth place is going to get one ballot. Right. And we shake up all the names and the thing, and then we pull a name and then, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how the draw is going to be happening. That's going to be happening next Wednesday. And then the following month we'll be starting all over again. Right? Yes. So, um, definitely worth it. If, if real estate investing coaching is what you are looking for, um, I mean, I've said it a million times, there's more than enough free coaching here, right here, every morning on the show. All you got to do is just wake up every morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, 5 a.m. if you're on the West Coast, um, and, and and just ask your questions, right? Yes. What's preventing you from moving forward? Mm -hmm. What can we help you with? I've been investing for just about 10 years. Like it's, uh, We've seen it all. We know, we, we know most of it. Yeah. Um, and, and if, if maybe there's just nothing, you know, that's really pressing, you know, we can always just talk about what you want to talk about today too. Um, and have a discussion with anything related to real estate investing. Um, couple upcoming events. I'm just going to go through real fast before I start checking out the, the comment section here. Let's do it. Um, G what's today? Friday. Tonight we have Friday live training. Yes, we do. At 6 p.m. Friday, um, Friday live, not live training. Well, the cats are the bag now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 we've we've pre-recorded it because I'll explain in a second. Um, we've pre-recorded it, but Friday live training every Friday we do um, live training at six p.m. in our Facebook group, Real Estate Investing Masters. If you have not joined already, go join the real uh, the Real Estate Investing Masters Facebook group. Um, we stream live through there um, every Friday at six p.m. and today. We're going to be doing um, a session, a training session on establishing your why, the importance of having a why. 
Now this, uh, this particular training went a little bit longer. Um, so what we did was we actually, we broke it up into two sessions. Um, so we have half of it tonight, at 6 PM, and then a bonus, uh, session tomorrow, Saturday at 6 PM as well. So join in for both. If you can't make either of them, the, you know, live, then you can always catch the replay, um, a couple days later. So they're available for a few days afterwards to watch the replay. So, um, definitely don't miss that. It's, it's, I know for a fact, because I recorded it, it's a very good session and a very important session that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, and as well, the reason why it's pre-recorded, as Gabby was saying, is because uh, this weekend is our real estate investing cabinet retreat. So uh, tonight at 5 p.m., we get started with our three-day real estate investing cabinet retreat out in Alberta Beach. We got a handful of uh, very ambitious real estate investors who are going to spend the weekend with us um, at a cabin on the lake. And, uh, and we're going to work through building a business plan and a model um, for for their real estate investing journey. Yeah, so, baby. So that's very exciting. We're once we finish up uh, the show here today, we pretty much got to finish up packing Pack up, up the vehicle and, and grabbing some food on the way and, 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 and getting ready. Um, it's, it's a pretty intense weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but it's a lot of fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, anything, anything that's worth anything is, 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 going to be difficult. It's going to be intense. Um, I mean, we get to spend the whole weekend with you, like basically making a huge plan for the rest of your life for your business. It's, and, and there's no distractions. There's no phones. There's no TV. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. just like nonstop morning till midnight planning. And uh, a lot of us, we don't get that kind of luxury. We don't get that kind of time. We always got a job in the way. We got kids in the way. So that's why we do it out at the cabin. Mm-hmm. So there's no distractions. So that's this weekend as well. Um, and then the next weekend, our last uh, last upcoming event, I'm almost done. <clears throat> next weekend, June 4th, uh, we are doing our Fix and Flip Bus Tour in Edmonton. Yes. Um, that's going to be super fun. Uh, so we filled the first bus. Okay. So it was all sold out on like, I want to say ago. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday was all sold out. Um, and then we had a huge influx of people reaching out, uh, yesterday asking if there's still room. So what we did was we booked another bus. So we got a second bus. Now, the thing is though, is that if you are on the fence, I don't know if you're just like dragging your feet and you're like, I'll get to it later kind of thing. Um, we really need you to register right away. Okay. Because we got to get the food orders in today, today. So <laughs> if please, it, it, it would make it so much easier for us because I, I, I don't, I mean, like I could probably see if they'll add an extra order in on Monday or Tuesday, but like, I no. just, I, I, no. the orders need to be in today yeah. for the food. So, um, if you are on the fence, please go to Eventbrite, look up Prairie Home Investments and you'll see the event there, or you'll see the, the event here in the show notes. You can go to our real estate investing masters. You'll see the events. You can go to my Facebook page. You'll see the events everywhere. So it shouldn't be a trouble. It shouldn't and be a if, trouble. And if you're on the fence, like Wayne said, get the fuck off the fence. Get the fuck off the fence. Like seriously, this is going to be so much fun and so informative. You're going to have so many networking opportunities. Like it's ridiculous if you are humming and hawing about it. Yeah. Get the fuck off the fence. If you are interested in fixing flips and you have money and you are looking for someone with experience to partner with, they will be there. If you have experience with fixing flips and you don't have money and you're looking for someone with money, they will be there. If you are looking for a fun Saturday thing to do with your family, to go for a family friendly bus tour with a picnic afterwards and pizza and burgers and fries and other kids to play with, you should be there. If you are looking to network with other real estate investors in the Edmonton and Calgary area, you should be there. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Fix and flip is just the theme. Yeah. But the buses are going to be full of real estate investors Mm -hmm. from not just Edmonton. There's people coming from other places as well. So like this is your opportunity to meet people and network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder, uh, there might even be someone from near Landia. 
You might even meet someone from Nearlandia. How cool would that be? Yeah. How many people can say that? Yeah. Is Carlos coming? Is he? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I think Carlos is coming. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we can get into questions here. I got to scroll through all of this chat. Um, I don't think there's been any questions this morning. Cody, uh, mentions live training says Saturday on Facebook. You touched on that. Uh, I touched on that because it's going to be Friday <clears throat> and Saturday. Um, there are two events on Facebook. You will see, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so yeah, there's two events that are, that are posted. You'll, you'll notice that no questions. Wow. Everybody's just going to go and take some action today. <laughs> all right. Um, let me just clear this all up. I do have questions, not for you, but I have questions. Amanda Pope has a really quick and easy. All right, let's hear it. Does the Residential Tenancies Act cover garage rentals? No. No. I had to think about it for a second. I mean, if it's part of your your house rental, like if it's if it's part of the you you're renting the house in the garage, that is all part of their inclusion. <clears throat> as is the yard and all that kind of stuff, yes. But if you're renting it out separately and it's not a dwelling, no. Uh, it's been a little while since I've looked at this. Um, it's, it's covered by... Um, it's not the Innkeepers Act. It's it's whatever the storage, storage regulations are. Um, Wayne's Googling to get you an answer. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's. Yeah, I said a quick and easy one. I was just like, nope. <laughs> and watch, I'm I'm wrong, and something's changed. And <laughs> uh, the storage rentals are governed by contract law rather than the RTA. So it goes by contract law. Um, it's been a while since I looked at that. The, the reason I'm googling is, I mean, I try and get you an answer, yeah. but like. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's not governed by the RTA. No. Yeah. We have never actually rented a garage out separately. We always have it like as an option, like people have the option to include the garage in their rental. And if yeah. anybody ever didn't take the garage, we would have rented it out separately, mm -hmm. but, um, people always <coughs> want the garage. So, yeah. Um, some people do like to rent out their garages, um, separately because they want to make an extra 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, for a while there, it was a very popular um, topic to, hey, don't rent your garage to your suite of tenants or to your, mostly mostly on properties that have multiple units. Um, because if you include it in the rent, it's normally worth about 200 bucks in our area. Um, however, if you rent it separately, you can rent it to someone for like a vehicle storage um, for 250. So increases your cash flow by 50 bucks. Um, increased headaches, increased cash flow. It's all kind of relative. Um, comes down to personal preference. Um, a lot of people, there were a lot of arguments for, for, on both sides for that topic. Uh, a lot of people said that you're just creating more people on the property, you know, tenants who live in the upstairs don't want random strangers coming and going in the garage mm -hmm. and near their yard, uh, makes them uncomfortable. So, uh, Good arguments to be made on both sides, but I, I would say it comes down to preference on that one. Yeah. But as far as uh, what regulates it, it's contract law. It's not the RTA. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Kirsten had a question as well. Yes, I haven't read it yet. Uh, in an agreement for sale, if you have power of attorney and want to sell an sell to an ultimate third party, will you still need the seller's cooperation in drafting an offer? Between the seller's cooperation in drafting an offer, or will the lenders and title insurance companies allow your name to be in the contract rather than a name that is on title? <clears throat> okay. Um, let me just reread that one last time. I would just like to start off by saying that it is always the ultimate goal that you have a cooperating um, s seller. 
the person who who sold you the AFS. Because if that's the case, it just makes everything super simple and super easy and smooth. And it's it that's the best case scenario. Why you get the power of attorney is in case all of a sudden they're not cooperative mm-hmm. or, you know, or they're not, you can't reach them or like whatever the situation may be. But it's kind of like a backup. Okay. So when I first read that question, I was reading it um, thinking that it was something different. So I had to reread a couple times just to make sure. I thought that you were meaning that you wanted to assign your interest, but that's not the Mm -hmm. case. You want to sell the property. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have an agreement for sale and now it's time to come sell the property. You have a power of attorney. What the power of attorney means is that you can sign on the behalf of the seller. Um, Just like if... uh, someone was no longer capable of making decisions for themselves. Um, you know, you would be, someone would be given power of attorney for that person in order to, to act on their behalf. <clears throat> so in this case it's very similar, except you have a power of attorney specifically for, um, anything that relates to that particular property. Meaning that if you want to sell the property, what you will do is you will call a realtor a realtor will do up a broker agreement with you, okay, or a representation agreement, whatever they call it. And they are going to actually put the seller's name on it. And then you are going to sign beside the seller's name with your signature because you have a power of attorney. So you show the power of attorney saying that I can sign on behalf of them. So um, technically, you do not need the seller's cooperation in, in signing an offer. Uh, that's to complete the offer with, um, with your ultimate, uh, buyer. Um, when it gets to the lawyers, it's, it becomes a little more, it's a little bit different. This is just for the for the moment where you are putting it on the market and, and a buyer is making an offer to you and and you are accepting that offer, you would sign on the behalf of the of the um, <clears throat> of the the original seller. Okay. When it gets to the lawyers, then their lawyer gets involved. They have to sign to to close out your original agreement for sale. You will Oh gosh. Yeah. There's a couple different ways to do it. Um, the answer is no, but when you get to that point, talk to your lawyer and ask them how they want to structure it. There's a couple different ways to look at it. I'm overcomplicating a very complicated mm-hmm. portion of it. I was going to say, this would be a great thing. That would be kind of like a great, uh, thing to get out of the, out of the mouth of Barry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I'm also, what I'm also second guessing as I'm speaking is I can't remember if Kirsten has been to, mm. was Kirsten at the, the Repikash? I don't, think so please forgive me no i I don't think so i try not to go too too far into like really advanced stuff like that not the most recent um i mean the answer to your question the simple answer to your question is you do not need the seller's cooperation in drafting an offer um but me naturally i try and go down rabbit holes and 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 sometimes i need to yeah to to gabby needs to throw a muzzle on me well and also like just the only thing be you know i already stated that it's always best case scenario if they're just cooperative and and sign because then you don't need to pull out that poa you don't power of attorney you don't need to um you know show the realtor show the lender show the lawyer show you know what i mean like you don't need to start like digging up documents to be like no this is this this is the scenario this is what's going on this is why this is this this is that like you don't need to explain anything mm-hmm. it's just like the seller has agreed they're signing it all good yeah. so yeah always best case scenario if they'll just agree but no that's why it's in place so that you can do it on your own if you if you need to mm-hmm. that's essentially why you have it yeah yeah um yeah I'm just trying to, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it as simple as that because it, I can overcomplicate this yeah. with different layers and I, and I don't want to, um, when you get to that point, just talk to your lawyer about how they want to go about doing it. Do you want to write up a new offer with your name on it to sell the property to, to the, to the end buyer? Because you have an interest in the property. You can sell the property. You can do your own purchase contract with the new buyer and do almost like a double close, right? 
So you would be closing with your end buyer. And then at the same t simultaneously, you'll be closing on your agreement for sale with the original seller, right? You can do it that way, or you can sign on behalf of the seller with your power of attorney, but then like, it just gets all complicated with the lawyers and you got to make sure that all the lawyers are on the same page um, because you're signing on their behalf, but you're also closing out your agreement with them. Mm -hmm. Just talk to your lawyer about like what they feel is the best approach um, for closing it out. Yeah. Take three big steps back from that. Yeah. That complicated <laughs> question. <laughs> mm. Carlos is here. Did Carlos say that he's coming? I'm making my way through the questions here. No, he just gave us a laughy face. Kirsten did go a few years ago before I did any investing at all. You went to Rapid Cash before <laughs> any experience in real Wow, that must have been confusing. Uh, confu <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if it's anything like the first time that I went, it was like, I, like the first time I went to the agreement for sale course. Yeah. Like that was a lot of information. Yeah. Well, we also went to the AFS intensive course. That's yeah. our first course. Yeah. At least rapid cash. It's kind of like, <clears throat> well, no, it's still pretty. Oh, it's still pretty advanced. Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like the dumbest person in the room and that is not a good feeling for, for me. She said, Hey, it got me to go buy rentals within a year. That's awesome. It is awesome. That's awesome. I, you know, those strategies are rent to own agreement for sale, fix and flipping wholesaling, um, uh, options just in general, such good tools to have. They're amazing tools. And as you, you know, as you trek along on your journey of real estate investing and someone calls or someone says something and, and if you understand those strategies, you will see the opportunities that are right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you never took those courses, you yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. Um, most of our first deals, our early deals, Gabby, we would have never completed them had I not yeah. been able to recognize the opportunity that was right in front of me. Yeah. I would have just said, ah, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. Not for what I do. Even on just like a personal level, like it's cool to have those tools to be able to recognize opportunities for <clears throat> to like help your friends and family too. Mm hmm like you never know kind of like what situations they're going to be in. And you might be like, well, wait a second. Like you could totally do an agreement for sale on this and, you know, not lose money. Or you could totally, you know, I know that you're can't qualify for a home right now, but like, what if you could get into a rent to own, like to be able to offer those opportunities to the people that you love Yeah, is pretty cool as well. And we don't talk about this very much on the show. Um, what I, we don't talk about like, um, I was fully expecting you to say Bruno. <clears throat> Sorry, I just I, I gave you an extra second. I was like, oh, I'll give it to her. I am not a seven-year-old child, but okay. Uh, we don't talk about the the master's mentorship program very much on the show, um, but that's all of those courses: the agreement for sale, the rent to own, the JVs, the wholesaling, fix and flips, and stuff. Uh, most people don't know this, but all of those courses are part of the real estate investing master's mentorship program. Um, for those of you guys who are in the master's program, um, you, you guys have already received the courses, but yeah, all of those courses are part of the mentorship program. Yeah. Um, when we were building that program, we, we wanted to make sure that it was a one-stop shop for everything that you're going to need. So weekly coaching, you know, monthly workshops, and then every single course that you would possibly need. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we, we worked it out with Barry and Donna McGuire and all of those courses are included within the mentorship program. So if you're ever on the fence about like, you know, which courses should I take or like which coaching program should I take? Um, I'm a little biased, but like we literally have a one-stop shop. Yeah. If that's what you're looking for. Um, we'll be doing, we'll be doing some more promotions here in the, in the, in, in the coming months, but I try not to shove that down people's throats. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if somebody wants our mentorship, if someone's looking for coaching that badly, then, you know, they'll find it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, maybe one day you'll start hearing more commercials on the show that'll let, that are advertising a little more, you know, frequently. But like, um, I don't want just everybody and anybody just to join the mentorship program because it's something fun to do. Like, that's one of those things that like we want people who are like absolutely dedicated that are taking action that want that want it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, but if 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 that is who you are and that is what you're looking for, it is there. Yeah, just just saying. 
Um, Kirsten, uh, she said when she went to uh, RCP as well, she says, I was totally the dumbest person in the room. I think that everybody feels that way. But you know what? Being, oh, it looks like, um, well, Chris said, Kirsten, that's how you get your questions answered. And she said 100%. But that's exactly what I was going to say is that like being the dumbest person in the room, so long so long as you're somewhat keeping up, yeah, you you have the opportunity to learn the most. Being the dumbest person in the room means you have the biggest opportunity for growth and and education. Mm-hmm. The people who already understand understand it and um, and are just there for like refresher or because of FOMO or whatever it may be. They might they might grab a couple little fun facts mm-hmm. to carry on with, but you you just got like the vault of knowledge yeah. given to you, which is awesome. Absolutely, you should always strive to be the dumbest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Those are the rooms you should be attending. One hundred percent. I like bearing down as courses too because they give you the recording afterwards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even if you did fall behind on a couple things and you're like, oh, what was that thing they said about that? you get access to a giant binder of yeah. all of the documents like, you know, that, that, that support it. Plus like I find the, their, their uh, workbook, whatever their, their binder is like bigger. There's way more information in the binder than there is in the actual presentation. And they, a lot of the stuff they don't even touch on. So like you can finish and then go into the binder afterwards and it's like, it's a whole yeah. other half of the course. Um, it's pretty amazing, but also you get the recording. So you get to re-listen later on. Um, that's what I always loved for me, you know, and for a lot of you, you know, you can just throw it on while you're driving and just re-listen to it multiple times to make sure that you consume it properly. Um, Jeremy had asked, uh, would you consider other companies advertising on the REI morning show? Uh, yep, absolutely. We, we are open for sponsorships. Um, if you have a business that would benefit from getting in front of our audience. (laughs) Yeah, that would benefit from getting in front of our audience, but as well, it needs to be, um, relative to, to, to our audience as well. It needs to provide value, right? Um, if you have, um, if you're starting a, uh, massage parlor, <laughs> some of us do get a little stressed out and we could use a little, I do need a massage. <laughs> um, but yeah, it needs to, it needs to be relative to our audience. So, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. We are open to sponsorships there. There are a lot of applications coming in, um, from professionals, um, but that's just kind of in the works, but definitely, you know, send us an email at info at com, and we can definitely have a discussion about that. Mm-hmm. If you are a real estate professional, broker, mortgage broker, home inspector, lawyer, lender, lender, um, yeah, there's the appraiser, no appraiser, uh, <laughs> property manager, right. And you want to get in front inspector. of our audience inspector. I said that one. Yeah. Oh. Um, definitely send us an email info at reimorningshow.com. Uh, going back to what we were talking about with mortgage plus improvements. Uh, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, probably the day before, right? When you were on, yes. <clears throat> uh, Ryan had uh, made a follow-up comment um, when we were talking about purchase plus improvements and he said, it, it doesn't allow for you to access any bump in equity from rental though, eh? Uh, just rental quote amount. So yeah, it's, if you guys were listening the other day, um, they will. Are you going to talk about what the initial conversation was? Or are you just going to answer his question? I'm trying to remember, to be honest, a purchase plus improvements is, is, is when you buy a property, say for 300, you tell the bank that I'd like to do $60,000 in renovations to increase the value. And, uh, they will send an appraiser out to confirm that the $60,000 in renovations will increase the value more than 60,000 and they will approve you. What they'll do is they'll tack on that $60,000 onto your mortgage. Okay. Onto your financing at a nice low interest rate, just your nice low mortgage interest rate. So instead of your mortgage being 240,000, they're going to tack on the 60,000 onto that. And now you'll have a $300,000 mortgage. You pay for all the renovations, um, upfront. And then they send the appraiser out once the renovations are complete to confirm that you have completed those renovations. And then the bank will release the $60,000 in funds to you into your bank account, which will pay you back. So uh, it's a really great 
uh, product. If you're buying a home and you want to do some renovations and you want to, um, you want to add, add those renovation costs onto your mortgage. Yeah. Not just pay out of pocket, like not use your savings or yeah. your line of credit and have it sitting there. Yeah. If yeah. you can, if you can add it onto your mortgage, you'll get it at a nice low interest rate as opposed to like your credit card at 12%. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's nice, low financing and, um, a really great product. Or if you're doing, uh, you know, buying a rental property and you're buying rent and it needs a little bit of work up front and you don't, you've already put your 20% in, you have a big investment and you don't want to add another $60,000. Um, you know, cause that's just going to lower your ROI. You'd rather be into that property investment for 60,000 as opposed to 120. Right. So, uh, the purchase plus improvements is, is a really great way to, to, to kind of, again, finance all the renovation costs. Now, Ryan's follow-up to that was that with that, it doesn't allow, so let's say, for example, you bought it for 300, you put $60,000 into it, and now it's worth 450. Well, you've made a huge bump of $90,000 in, in um, forced, forced depreciation, depreciation, right? Do you get access to any of that $90,000? No, you only, you only get paid back for the, the cost of the renovations. Yeah. Okay. Just whatever the rental quote was. So, um, but I mean, at the same time, you know, they financed, they helped you finance the renovation cost and you just made $90,000 in equity. Yeah. It's still there. It's still yours. Just can't touch it yet. Yeah. Um, Uh, Jeremy asked a, a couple complicated questions. Um, and, and one, I really don't no. know. <laughs> and one, I, 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 Jeremy always dumping us. One, I really, I, I, I actually, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the answer to this. So if there's any realtors, out there, <coughs> I'd be interested for your take. And to be honest, I know that whenever Jeremy asks a question, he has the answer. answer. Yeah. So Jeremy, it's just sparking conversation, which I appreciate, yeah, which I appreciate. Sure. I do not know what the duties and responsibilities a realtor owe you. Um, I'm not 100. I mean, I would assume that they have um, it's probably ethics. in There's that agreement we signed. <laughs> probably in that agreement that we all signed that I never even look at. Um, the duties and responsibilities uh, that a realtor owe you are probably, you know, there's probably a code of ethics for them. Yes. Right? To ensure that there's no conflict of interest, to ensure that they represent you properly, that they get you the best deal. They act on your behalf. Yeah. And we, we actually, we talk about this a lot when we say, you know, make sure that you look for a real estate investing focused realtor, because often their knowledge of, um, you know, things like um, the, the rental market and, you know, what things will rent for. If you're flipping houses, um, often if they're experienced, they'll know like uh, renovation expenses and what this is going to cost and how you should do the layout on this property and that sort of thing. So like they come with all these extras that are like really great and really valuable, but they don't, they don't have to know that stuff. That's not their job to know that stuff mm-hmm. as a realtor. Their job as a realtor is to ne- list, negotiate <clears throat> contracts, like that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we do talk a lot about, you know, like how those extras can be valuable, but at the end of the day, what are their duties? What are they obligated to provide you with? I almost kind of want to pull up the agreement just to kind of see. I almost kind of um, want to call Calvin. Uh, well, as well, you can look up, you can look up the, um, you can look up RICA, which is the real estate council of Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can see what the rules are there. Now, the follow-up question that was that, <clears throat> is there any comments on this? You can keep an eye on that. No. Um, please. Uh, the follow-up question that was, what is the recourse in the event that they do not Mm-hmm. Or they fail these duties. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what I am aware of is that you would you would file a complaint to RICA yeah. if they did not fulfill their obligations yeah. or they failed to to meet their duties. Yeah, um, you can file a complaint with RICA saying that you know that they failed these particular duties or there was a conflict of interest, and then uh, there will be a review, and then they could potentially lose their license. Yeah, we actually had something interesting. Um, <clears throat> happened several years ago. We did kind of like a bit of a creative um, deal that did involve a realtor. And we actually had Rika contact us 
like out of the blue. Oh yeah. Rika contacted us asking about the deal and this and that because they weren't sure if that because they review the deals and stuff like it goes yeah. through the brokerage it goes through this it goes through that <gasps> and they wanted to make sure that everything was done above board and that it, it all was correct and right and that nothing was violated and that we weren't violated and like all those types of things mm-hmm. so it turned and like we everybody on our end was all in agreement of how everything was working so like we were all like no everything's good Pe- like thumbs up this is how it worked this is what was going on and and well, they basically closed it and said, okay, thanks. Like that we just needed to know, but like they are watching what's going on and making sure that yeah. shit's correct. <laughs> yeah. From an outsider looking in, it looked shady. Yeah. And to be honest, and we could see that now from the outside. Yeah. yeah. And, I'll, and I'll leave my personal opinions on it to myself, but, um, the, the fee that they were charging, um, it wasn't like a normal realtor fee Yeah, because it was a creative deal with an agreement for sale. Um, they just picked a number and, you know, the person that brokered it was kind of like associated with the person that was buying the property. Yeah. So it was like, it was, it was like, it was, it it was kind of gray for sure. Yeah. It was definitely gray, but I think the fact that everybody was in agreement agreement. and everybody was of sound mind, uh, that they were okay with it because otherwise I don't think that they would have allowed, because there was a bit of a conflict of interest. (laughs) Right. It, it shouldn't have. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, Rika did get involved and they, they, yeah. they were asking questions and, and yeah. So it's, um, the real estate council of Alberta is, is, is the one that, 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 that governs it, governs it. And, um, you would file your complaints with them. Yeah. Um, Jeremy says you can also ask a real estate broker to report them depending on the issue. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, if you th- if you've hired a realtor and you think that they've misrepresented you or that they're not doing their duties or whatever, and you're not getting anywhere trying to resolve it directly with them, like they are all part of a brokerage. They have mm-hmm. to be. So there's always a higher up or somewhere to go, or you know those types of things. There's just like so many little rules that I can start like citing. You know what I mean? Like. Like there, there are rules, there are duties, but like, you know, knowing all of them, I don't know. I'm, I've never taken the course and I'm, yeah. I'm not a realtor, but like for one, like, you know, they have to show you every property that, that you ask to see, even if that particular property um, pays less commissions Yeah. or it's one of those low commission um, mm-hmm. uh, types of uh, brokerages that's selling it. I mean, it's like a 2% realty or something like that, or like a, uh, fair square, whatever the heck they call it. Like they are obligated to show you those properties, even though they will not get paid as much as, you know, someone else would pay them on mm-hmm. another listing. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have, they do have duties and they need to act on your, on your behalf and your best interest. So um, if you feel that they're not, then, then you would just file a complaint with, uh, with Rika. Yeah. Um, there was another question. <clears throat> uh it was related to power of attorney again from Kirsten from last week. So I'm going to try and she's on the POA train. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's a longer question. So I have to read, I haven't read pre-read it. So I'll just read it out loud. And if it, if it's relevant, cool. Uh, when doing an agreement for sale as the buyer, it recommends registering a caveat against the title at the land titles office. It also says always insist on an irrevocable power of attorney. A revocable meaning that it cannot be reversed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it says the power of attorney gives you complete authority over the property and removes the seller's ability to deal with the property. Obviously, we mm-hmm. discussed that earlier. Yeah. Which is an improvement over the caveat because that only shows notice of the buyer's interest on in the property. Yes. I feel like you should always be doing both the caveat and the power of attorney. Okay. So a caveat is what's called an impedance. It is a notice that someone, someone has claimed some sort of an interest or a blockage on the property. So nothing can be done with this property. Until it's dealt with or removed. Until this person is given notice because this person has business with this particular property. Okay. 
So it impedes someone from doing something. You can have uh, a power uh, an agreement for sale contract that says that you have, you know, full beneficial ownership of this property, right? And the contract says that they can't sell it. Contract says they can't refinance it, but physically they can, right? Because they can, you know, the law says you're not supposed to shoot someone. You can still grab a gun and shoot someone, but the law says you can't. And if you do do that, then obviously you're, you know, you're going to go to court and you're going to be found guilty of whichever you've been charged with, right? Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing. You cannot sell this property, but they can. Now, if they do, then you need to take them to court and you have a, a, an agreement, a contract that states that they were in the wrong. They're going to lose every single time, every single day. And then, you know, you're going to file for your losses and your expenses and you're going to either get the property back or, or make a claim for whatever you're, is owed to you, right? Yeah. A caveat prevents them from actually doing it. It impedes them from doing it. It's a blockage, okay? It's like taking the bullets out of the chamber. They got a gun, they pull the trigger, but they can't do it, okay? There's no bullets. So a caveat is just an extra layer of protection. Whether you put a power of attorney caveat on title or whether you put your agreement for sale buyer's interest caveat on title doesn't matter they both do the same thing they're both removing the bullets out of the chamber so whichever one you're more comfortable with now the power of attorney on title allows you it 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 allows you to be able to i think a lot of in most cases where you want to use the power of attorney they're going to want to see it on title as opposed to the piece of paper that you have. So most people put the power of attorney on title as opposed to their buyer's interest caveat because it's just a legal thing. You can talk to your lawyer about it, talk to Barry about it, and he'll explain it to you. And and people have different opinions on this, but for, for most investors, they just put the power of attorney on title because it does the job yeah. um, as opposed to a buyer's interest caveat. It's, it's just a little bit stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and as well, it gives notice that it also gives notice on title that they no longer have any rights on this property. Yeah. Right. So if they, if they tried to do anything, they tried to sell the property or whichever, it gives notice to whoever looks at title that they have lost their right, their yeah. power in this property. Okay. So, um, but either or, you want to put a buyer's interest caveat or you want to put a caveat uh, for, with the power of attorney, it's entirely up to you. It does the job, which is it pulls the bullets out of the chamber. Wayne, do you have uh, the rest of Kristen's message that was? Um... Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just see it down below here. Okay. Um, but is this suggesting that the caveat is only necessary? Okay. Yeah, I missed that part. Um, but is this suggesting that the caveat is only necessary when you cannot obtain an irrevocable power of attorney. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether I still answered it or, or not. Um, if you can't get an irrevocable power of attorney, you would just put a buyer's interest caveat on title. Mm -hmm. Again, impeding them from, from doing what they're not supposed to do. Um, yeah, I think I still kind of answered the question, right? Yeah. I don't think it changed the question very much. In the event that you can't get an irrevocable power of attorney, then then you would just put a buyer's interest caveat on the, on the title. Yep. Um, going back to an irrevocable power of attorney, again, irrevocable means that it cannot be reversed. So if it, if it was not irrevocable, then the seller could revoke it at any time. Because right. it's their their decision. Do you know how many times I stood in front of the mirror and practiced irrevocable <laughs> to be able to say it that clearly? The first couple times, it was difficult. Irrevocable. Try it. Everybody after me. One everyone after me. Irrevocable. <laughs> it's a tough word. The first the first twenty times I tried using it, I was tripping over my tongue. <laughs> I just want to point out that hard work does pay off. <laughs> okay. Right. Um yes. Uh what time are we at here? Do we have any questions? 
Um, yes. Not on this. On not on that subject. Okay. I I I I'm I'm looking at Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Heeman. Um, I would like Jeremy to speak on the Quebec market. <laughs> I haven't done any research on the Quebec market right now. We have other questions like live. But Jeremy brought this question up before, and and to be honest, like it, he 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 has the answers to these things, and I don't, and I I just um I haven't been able to put as much research into it because it doesn't apply to my business. So I'm just being completely transparent that like I'm hoping that Jeremy can kind of shine some light on this. Um, Quebec is seeing an increased amount of people moving out of the province as of recent. I hear many people talking about attracting BC and Ontario investors. How could you market specifically to former Quebec residents looking to move to the more affordable Alberta market? Now, I'm just curious, like, are you trying to attract people to move here to increase um, like migration to Alberta or like, are you trying to like increase tenants? Um, how can, how could you market specifically to former Quebec residents looking to move to the more affordable Alberta market? I'm not 100% sure on the question, but um, I'm curious as to, you know, what his take is on the, um, on the Quebec market and what's going on there. I haven't heard that to be honest. Nothing. Sorry, I was just seeing if there was any um, comments there. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not. I, I got nothing on that topic except that I know um, as far as like tenants go and renters, having those people come here and see how different <laughs> the tenant laws are would be crazy for them. Yeah. They have like a July first move in, move out date. Like that's when everybody moves in and that's when everybody moves out same day. It's chaos around the city and it's, it's just like this whole like little weird rental world that they live in. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy said I intentioned for joint venture partners from Quebec during mm. that question. I mean, you gotta be super. Okay. So advertising for joint venture partners moving here from Quebec, um, I would, I would tiptoe around the regulations for how you advertise to joint venture partners. Um, they would have to be accredited investors um, by definition. And also, or they would need to be um, uh, friends or family. So I'm not 100% sure on like how to advertise um, per se. Um, I suppose if you were if you were well known in the industry in you know, the Alberta markets, um, perhaps you put out lots of videos about different neighborhoods. Um, you did market analysis on all the different types of neighborhoods in Edmonton. You talked all about, you know, landlord laws and 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 investment opportunities, and and um, you know how to invest for cash flow, um, how to invest in the Edmonton market. Naturally, I think that anyone who would be interested in investing in this market, they would find you very easily. So I think it's all about branding. Mm -hmm. It's all about being a reputable um, influencer. I know that word is that feels really yucky, but having being a person of influence in the market, uh, people will naturally gravitate towards you. So I would say if if you checked all those boxes, um, then you would have a much better chance uh, or opportunity than someone who didn't, um, who wasn't um, a person of influence in the market. Um, because you got to be very careful because you cannot directly advertise opportunities. However, if someone comes to you and says, Hey man, I saw, you know, you did that video on Britannia, Britannia Youngstown. And, you know, I, I thought that was really interesting stuff. I did not know that the, the average income in that area was that amount. Um, I didn't know that rents went for that. I didn't know they were that cheap, uh, in that area. Um, do you mind if we sit down and have coffee? We can chat some more. And then you develop a friendship with them then you're you're not so you're not dealing with strangers you didn't advertise to the public you know what i mean um if you can develop a friendship with them and then they want to work with you then that would be considered fine right in the eyes of the securities commission 
So again, branding, putting yourself out there is a really great way to do that Mm -hmm. without actually advertising. Yeah. Right. Um, I think providing value, unlimited, infinite value and asking for nothing in return is always the best way. Always the best way. And that's, and that's our day and age right now. Manzor and I talked about it yesterday. It's all about just giving away all free content. And if you're living in like this, 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 this scarcity mindset that I have to keep all this information to myself or I have to, uh, that statement right there is, is a $500 statement. That's my, that's my, that's my golden ticket. That's, that's the whole reason why people, you know, came to this, this event is to pay $500 to hear that answer. And if you're just like holding it to your chest, like it's, it's like, it's your secret recipe, then you're not going to win because somebody else is going to give that away for free. We have learned since the pandemic started that all of the information, all for free online, people still don't take action. They're still looking for people like you to help them. Right? Yeah. doesn't matter if they understand all the Residential Tenancy Act. Uh, it doesn't matter if they understand all the neighborhoods, what the rents are, what the prices are, how to negotiate and everything else. Some people are still always going to be looking for your help because they're just not the type of people who, who start businesses. And you are right? They're looking for someone like you that they can rely on so that they can focus on the things that they love, right? And everyone's going to be different. So I, it's in my opinion that you provide everything out for free and the world will find a way to balance itself out, right? The world will reciprocate. It may not seem like it, you know, today, tomorrow, next week, but eventually it does balance itself out. If you're a good person, you provide lots of value, the world will pay it back. Um, so Jeremy is doing a fucking phenomenal job at that. Mm-hmm. He's putting out a ton of great content. Um, full transparency. I haven't seen all the videos cause you're putting out too many and I don't <laughs> have time to watch all of them, but I see them and I'm like, holy fuck, this guy is actually putting out a shit ton of content. Yeah. Um, and I know how hard that is because that is not, he is not documenting. He is creating. And I know how long it takes to do that much research and then put a video out and not say too many ums and not trip over your words. So all those videos he's doing, he's probably taking 20 takes unless he's fucking amazing. <laughs> so he's doing 20 takes plus all the research and everything else. It's like hats off, man. I know how hard that is. And I know a lot of people are getting a lot of value from that. He's like close, of- closer to 40 takes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know, man. Why do you think I don't take videos of me in the video? <laughs> it's, there's a reason it's, it's hard. It's really hard you know, trying to remember your script and then as well, all the research on mobile home parks and everything else. Like, like it's dude, like it's, it's amazing. Um, uh, like I'm really like impressed. Um, and that right there is that's, that's how you, that's how you advertise. You advertise yourself. Right. Yeah. And people will gravitate towards you. Not that's, if I were to ever to join do, to do a joint venture course, people would not like it because <laughs> most people, when they think about raising capital or joint venture courses, like how do I raise money? Like, please tell me what's the magic one liner. How do I how do I build a newsletter? How do I build a website? How do I get really you know high net worth individuals? How do I make a really nice looking performa that is easy to understand? Performas, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, how do I, how do I do a PowerPoint presentation? At what point should I bring the PowerPoint presentation? How many coffees should I have before I make a pitch? Yeah. You know, what's better. Um, how about you do videos on every single neighborhood in Edmonton and talk and show everyone, don't tell them, show them that you know what the fuck you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then when they think if they want to invest in real estate, because you've educated them subliminally. When they're ready to invest in real estate, who are they going to call? They're going to call you. Mm-hmm. And they're coming to you and you're not going to them. So you have all of the leverage. Wayne, how many uh, performers have you done up for a joint, for prospective joint venture partners? One, because he wanted it. <laughs> I Wayne, didn't come to the meeting with a performer. Yeah. <laughs> he asked for one and I'm like, oh, fuck, where do I find a performer? Wayne, how many... Uh, Joint venture presentations have you put together for potential partners? One. 
my very first one. Oh, okay. Wayne, how many, um, anyways, what I'm getting at is that we use social media (laughs) and people come to me, people come to us and nobody wants, nobody wants to take a joint venture or capital raising course and hearing that people come to me. I don't come to them. Well, that's easy for you. Yeah, it is easy for me because I did a lot of work. I was going to say we intentionally use social media. We started several years ago intentionally building a social media presence, knowing that it was going to pay dividends to us. For this outcome. For this outcome. Literally, that was the plan. That was the plan. That was the, the business model plan that we decided to pursue. And we decided to start creating content mm-hmm. and putting it out there. And starting to get out of our comfort zone, get in front of the camera. We were you. Yeah. We were you. We were not comfortable being on social media. We were not comfortable turning the camera onto our face. We were not comfortable talking to people in general. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. And that was how we decided we were going to make it though. If we got on social media and got in front of people's faces, at first it was just like, oh, this is how we'll show our circle and then maybe they'll invest with us. Mm -hmm. We'll show them what we're doing. It started as that and then it expanded. We can reach more people. We can show more people what we're doing. And it grew and it grew and it grew. This is years of being on social media, you guys. Yeah. Not saying that it's going to take a decade before people start coming to you. That's, That's not what I'm saying at all. It can happen so much faster these days. But you have to start. It's yeah. uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. it gets very comfortable. Soon you're going to have your own podcast and just be talking like nothing. I uh, don't know. Stay, <laughs> stay away from my space. Stay away from my space. No podcasts. <laughs> do whatever the hell you Hey, do whatever the hell else you want. Don't come into my space. <laughs> Otherwise, the Dukes are up. But uh, I think that a lot of people, um, you know, see uh, and hear us talking about like, oh, just get online, get on social media. And exactly what you said. Oh, it's easy for you. You're so comfortable doing that. You no. have so much knowledge. You you already know everything. So it's easy for you to talk about stuff. I didn't in we the didn't. beginning. Yeah. I knew the basics. I used to I mean, literally. Okay, I knew a little bit more than everybody else. I'll be, I can, I can say that with cocky, confidence and cockiness. But I used to literally pull out the Residential Tenancies Act and study it and then put together like I would sit down for a day and put together like 10 different different graphics on Canva with information that I pulled out of the RTA as like little education educational posts to show that like we are educated landlords and we know what we're doing and those types of things so that people would trust us you know partnering with us and us managing the properties literally see right yeah I, like we put in the work and we, and we figured out what kind of content to put out that would, you know, give people their trust in us. We were doing joint venture presentations every day and people didn't even notice it. Yeah. It's just a different way of going at it. How many coffees do I have before I, you know, make a pitch? Well, what we were doing is we were making small pitches every single day and people didn't even know it was subliminal. Yeah. We were training people to not believe, but to... We were building confidence with people with every single post and every single video, right? As opposed to going in, you know, change my words, as opposed to, as opposed to going into the meeting and then being like, Hey, I've got this opportunity. And then them flooding us with questions. We were answering their questions before we ever even got to the meeting, Mm -hmm. before they ever even knew that they were planning on investing. We were answering all their little questions. What happens if this? What happens if this? What happens if this? Our content was answering those questions. Yeah. We instilled so much trust in them before they even (laughs) realized that they would ever be investing in real estate. You've got five family members that have $200,000 of equity that they can pull out. And you're like, oh, God, I just wish they would pull that equity out and buy two properties each with me. Because those five people, two properties each, I'd have 10 rental properties, 10 joint ventures. Well, how about start putting your content catering your content or tailoring your content, sorry, towards how to pull equity out of the, the property and how it works, how much interest they pay on it, how do they pay that interest, how the cash flow covers those interest payments, right? How equity is still there. They don't lose the money. What happens if, you know, the property goes down in value? What happens with their equity? When do they get their money back? 
at the end or do they split the profits afterwards? A lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't know that you, the investor, the money partner gets their investment back first and then the proceeds are split 50-50 in joint ventures. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And and you don't know what they what they know and what they don't know. So you have to put out content that explains that so that they hear it and they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Rather than that being a conversation four hours in on your joint venture presentation, right? Because they, they immediately, let's say, for example, that's their one thing. That's their one big domino, okay? And you they won't say yes because this giant domino is just sitting there that will prevent the rest of the dominoes from going down, okay? That right there, that belief that when you sell the property, all of the proceeds, including their down payment investment, is split 50-50. So they're thinking to themselves like, well, I'm not getting that. But if you were able to address that prior to that meeting, that they get their investment money back first and then the proceeds are split 50-50, that domino would never be there. The second you made that pitch, all the dominoes would go down, right? Yeah. But the fact that you're not proactively explaining that or, or educating them you're going to be trying to make this pitch and this presentation, everything else. And that's all they're going to be thinking about. That's all they're going to be thinking about. It's like, well, how come they get 50%? Because yeah. they just don't understand. So yeah, education is everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are out of time, but I just Bye. want, <laughs> I just want to go back to one thing I said, because I kind of just breezed by it. And I just want to make sure that everybody heard it. Not, not to say that anything I said was more important than what you said, Wayne, but, <laughs> just um, wow. but wow. I mentioned <laughs> but I mentioned that social media and being active on social media was our business plan. It mm-hmm. wasn't just a let's let's be more active on social media hun and and that that should get us some more business it It wasn't a conversation like that. it was a business plan so for us, like I said, it was me sitting down on on specific days and creating content. Mm-hmm. It was planning how often we were going to be posting and on what topics we were going to be posting. There was, you know, before we even knew what a social media plan was, yeah. you know, you can hire social media managers who will like create like a whole business plan for you on how to post, when to post, what to post. Yeah. We were doing that ourselves without realizing it, but it was, it was, it was literally our, that was that was our how we were going to succeed. Yep. We decided that was how we were going to succeed in real estate and attract people to us. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting here thinking, okay, they keep saying I need to be on social media more. So, you know, I'm going to start posting more. I'm going to I'm going to start doing some stories, you know. Yeah, I should get a little more active. That's not enough. Yeah. This needs to be intentional. You need to sit down and think, what is it that I can start posting about? How often is it going to take for it to become regular so that people notice it? What types of things do I need to be telling the people that I want to attract? These are things you need to, to think about and sit down and plan out. Because if you try to half-ass it and keep telling yourself, I just need to be more present on social media, it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes sometimes you put one thing out and all of a sudden you have a couple of people contact you and you might have a, a, a joint venture, which yeah. is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, I've sworn a few times today. I guess yes, I'm, I must be feeling better. It's kind of turned me on a little bit. <laughs> Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is that like, this is what's possible with the utilization of social media. You are listening to it right now. You are this morning show podcast, you, how you found us and you know, you've become a listener to our podcast. This is because of social media. This started with an intention to use social media to be seen. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Chew on that. Yeah. Um, may I add? Ah, oh, just end it. Oh, well, you were just. Come on. There was just one extra thing. Come on. Just, you do it to me all the time. Um, Gabby said that you should be intentional. So make sure that you're, when you're building a social media plan, just like a marketing plan, when you're doing a marketing plan, who are you trying to reach? Okay. There should be a target when you're doing marketing. Okay. So you should first figure out who are the types of people that you're trying to reach. If you have a joint venture prospect in mind, just like a tenant prospect, you know what I mean? A tenant profile. You have to have something in mind, a target to aim for. Once you've established that target you are trying to reach, then reverse engineer that with your marketing plan. 
So the content should be specifically towards getting the attention of those particular people and giving, giving them the information that they need to hear. That is marketing, right? That is marketing and sales. You are marketing towards them and then you are going to close them. Okay. So there, this, this, this is all a business. So begin with the end in mind, have an outcome that you're looking for with that marketing plan. And then position it in a way that seems authentic. That is authentic. Just share content. Doesn't have to be, Hey, you, are you this type of person? Have I got an opportunity for you? Did you know that you can pull all your equity out of your property? If you have more than 80%. Okay. Gabby's giving me the wrap it up. Okay, guys. He ruined it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.